like she, they were like, I've never seen anyone I know like die. Yeah. Like that. And I was like, oh, I bet that is kind of weird for people. <laughs> second week of spooktober begins yes we hope you enjoyed our first week we're getting into those spooky scary vibes Mm -hmm. we have a very spooky scary movie that we're covering today i'm really excited about this because we have a really spooky special guest yeah if you read the title you already know who the guest is so (laughs) we do have julia raywald from fear street 2021 new Netflix Halloween classic mm-hmm. inspired by the R.L. Stein books. Really cool get. Yeah. We did know Julia before the movie, <laughs> but it was nice of her to agree to come on and talk to us. So we're really excited for you to listen to it. Yeah, it was such a such a great little interview to record. So we're very happy to share it with you all. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, we're we're recording this late at night, late. so it's a uh, it's a very spooky vibe. We just came off of our live movie watch. Oh yeah, it was so much fun. Thank you to all of our lovely listeners that joined. I'm riding off the high that um, those who joined gave me to record this pod. Yes. So I'm feeling good. Yeah, for sure. And while we're talking about our lovely listeners, we should do our little review shout outs for this week. Mm-hmm. First up, we have a review from Ariel, who was actually in our movie watch tonight. It was great to chat yes, with you. thank you. You seem like the type of person who really does not take shit from anybody. And so we decided to go with the amazing bop, As If, by the band Black. And I see this montage as like, you have just like broken up with somebody who was not treating you right and you're like you know what i'm done with that shit it is now my glow up moment and i'm gonna go out and now live my best life so it's you really fired up coming into yourself after somebody who is draining all of your amazing energy is no longer in your life i like that i like that next we have nausea um you did say that you liked the second cheetah girls movie so we decided to give you a song not many people give a lot of attention to but it is a certified Mm -hmm. bop step up by the cheetah girls so good they are in the dance studio they Mm -hmm. say we're working today we're working today we're doing it Mm -hmm. and it is an amazing song it will get you fired up for any occasion who knows, maybe maybe you're at a dance yourself, maybe you're at a wedding or something and you get on the dance floor, you're showing mm. off. You're showing off, you're showing out. Oh yeah. Okay, you look great, you feel great, and people are, people are like, who's that girl? I wanna be friends with her. And next up, we have a review from Jillian, also a fellow Taurus, Ooh. lots of Taurus energy in this episode, which I appreciate a lot. Um, for you, we decided after stalking your Instagram, to go with the song Don't Stop Movin' by S Club 7 because we did see that you are a skater, which is super cool. So I see this as like a training montage where you're like, I think you have like a young protege who's just getting into the world and you're so like experienced that you're teaching them the ropes and like welcoming them into your skating world. Yes. And our final review for today is for 
I'm going to butcher this, Dabrowski, Dabrowski. Um, and we decided to give you kind of like a rock vibe because you said you loved the school of rock. I don't know if you said you love episode or the movie. I will assume you love both, <laughs> but we gave you forever by the Veronica's classic Veronica's pop. Yes. It kind of gets you going. Maybe you're like, you're, you've had a hard week, but you decide to go out tonight and you kind of just realize mm. like, I love being alive. And I love going out. I love being with the people I love and having fun. And you just have a good freaking night. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for the reviews. We are slowly but surely making our way through the big influx of them that yes. we've got, which we're super grateful for. So if we haven't gotten to you yet, stay tuned. And always DM us if you want to like tell us a little bit more about yourself. Mm-hmm. We're always happy to incorporate it into our reviews. But without further ado, I think we should just head into our interview with Julia. Let's do it. Today is a pretty exciting episode, Christina. It is. We have a very, very special guest on the pod today. We do. You might know her as Kate from Fear Street, but in real life... She is actress Julia Raywald. Welcome to the pod. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for joining us today. I believe that you are the first, like, actor in one of the movies that we've yeah, done. Yeah, really? That's joining us on the pod. Yeah. Oh, whoa. Yes. I feel really cool right now. Wow. This is a pretty big gap for us, you know. <laughs> Some of the listeners might uh, be interested to know that we actually all went to NYU together yeah. back in the day. <laughs> Good, the good old days, man. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I was trying to um, just see what had already been reported about you. So we don't like, we're not too redundant. Um, and I searched Julia Raywald and there is a picture of you in an NYU acting studio on Google. God. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so long ago. And your hair is like super long. Of course. Yeah. It was, it was long in college back then. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I see those photos come up and I'm like, how <laughs> how did the, how did they find where is this from yeah. yeah i'm like what tish like weird online thing is this from right. and you, you never know because there's so many yeah we were reading some of like the the various like articles yeah. about you and it's like julia raywald is reportedly in her 20s and all of the yeah. speculation about your age and ethnicity and stuff like that oh i loved it i thought it was fun i was like well, i wonder how long i can get away with not having any accurate information yeah. about me out there. I was like, yeah. how long can I get away with this? You can just start leaking like false info and oh see what gosh. makes its way right? to like whatever Reddit thread or something. Exactly. Just like spread like a lot of rumors, like pointless rumors about mm-hmm. myself. Oh yeah. Like Julia's actually six feet tall, but <laughs> the way that they shot the film yeah. made her look five feet tall. It's all an optical illusion. All of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone else is standing on like six apple boxes next to you the whole true, time. True, true facts. Oh my gosh. Well, I guess we should um, we should start by asking yeah. you one of our favorite questions to ask guests, which are, what are some movies that raised you? Oh, oh gosh. Oh, let's see. Where to start I guess growing up like as a kid kid it would probably be a lot of Mm -hmm. Studio Ghibli movies Mm -hmm. that is I think a lot like all of those are kind of very nostalgic of childhood to me which is kind of why I revisit them so often 
So I guess I, I usually think of those when I think of like when I was a kid, particularly like Spirited Away is my favorite movie of all time. Mm-hmm. And then that one also Kiki's Delivery Service. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those are the two that I feel like I come back to most when I feel like I just want to have like a very nostalgic day. Mm-hmm. And then, oh God, I feel like the early 2000s were just full of like a whole period piece, like like era of movies. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, what would be, hmm. oh God, I have to think about it. But I guess it's like, I feel like all of the Lindsay Lohan and Megan Fox movies like anything I think either of them put out I was like I have to I was like (laughs) I will watch anything (laughs) absolutely and then you have you know the marriage of them both in Confessions of a Teenage Trump and it's like film what more could really truly was like such a moment in time oh yeah for sure so correct me if I'm wrong but this is your first like feature film that was released right? Yes. This is like, okay. yeah, the first movie I'd ever done and pretty much like the mm-hmm. first work, like professional job that I actually got to like see. Cause before this I did a pilot mm-hmm. for a show, but I never actually got to mm-hmm. see it. So it kind of felt like a nice practice run to being on set. Yeah. But it didn't feel real because it's like, I never actually got to see myself on screen or see what it looked like. Right. So this was kind of like the first time something came out that I was like, oh, weird. That's, that's me. (laughs) Weird. How do you like seeing yourself like (laughs) on screen? Does it still freak you out or? It's, I think I can handle it in Fear Street now because I've watched the, the movie so many times. Yeah. But the first time I watched, I hate, I was like, this is an awful experience. I watched it with, with my old roommate, Kemper. Mm-hmm. And she's like so excited that she's like, let's talk. Like, how do you feel? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, this was an awful experience for me. I think I hated everything I did. And I was like, but I know I'm being irrational. Yeah. So, right. um, talk to me after like the third time I've watched it and then I'll be able to like (laughs) be a normal person about it right oh my gosh yeah I I can't even imagine it was even like wild for us watching it like knowing you being like oh that's somebody that we literally know (laughs) on my tv right now yeah I've heard it's a weird phenomenon for my friends to be like Mm -hmm. like they were like I've never seen anyone I know like die yeah like that and I was like oh I bet that is kind of weird for people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I got to ask about like the stunts. How, what yes. was that like shooting that uh, ultimate decapitation scene? Yeah. Like how did that go? It was go? like all one, like it was one day of like all of, all of the grocery store stunts that I did. Um, so it was like mm-hmm. the most physically exhausting day, but it was kind of like go, go, go the whole time that once we started, it was just kind of like, you just kind of stay in, that space the whole day. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really cool. It was, yeah, we got to actually use real fire, wow. which was fun. I we were, I practiced in the, the back alley of the grocery store. Um, <laughs> and then uh, we did the like combat stunts, which were really cool. Cause um, the stunt guy Noah, who was playing Skull Mask was like really awesome and communicative and like really, helping me through everything and the stunt team is awesome and I think it every we just all wanted it to look like she 
is putting up enough of a fight to like yeah right like make it out okay and then do like a little gotcha um which i was shocked yeah i did not (laughs) think that you two were going to die because i also at that point like knew you were in the third one so i was like this bitch doesn't die. What the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? And at that point, I had become so like, is this a Michael Myers situation? Yeah, yeah. Um, your friendship with Simon in the movie is also, like, so great. Can you talk about that relationship a little bit? Uh, yeah, it's, like, it's like my f- – I love Kate and Simon a lot. And it's, like mm-hmm. – I think it was, like, a highlight acting-wise was getting to do – pretty much all my scenes with Fred who plays Simon and we kind of just hit it off from day one. And it was like our first or second day on set was filming at the babysitting house. Okay, so it was yeah. just like the two of us mm-hmm. pretty much all night just hanging out. And then we just kind of even like off screen, like I'm like, Oh, Kate and Simon's dynamic is just, it's like, it feels <laughs> like I'm watching me and Fred in like real life, but it's like our mm-hmm. character, like it's mm-hmm. just, came really natural to us and kind of felt like it was something we could tap into um, with the way our dynamic works off screen as well. Mm-hmm. And it was just, mm-hmm. it was just really fun. He is just such a great actor to get to play off of like when we were going at it in group scenes and just the two of us. Um, and even the scenes where before things kind of go to shit, it was really fun just to like actually get to like smile and joke around mm-hmm. for like the, two or three scenes that we got to do that in. Um, <laughs> just kind of nice because you get to vibe with this like little duo friendship wise. And then you're like, oh, these kids are like really cool and fun. And then it makes the ends like kind of like suck a little bit because you're like, dang. Yeah, I actually like, liked those people. Yeah. Yeah, because you guys were shoot, you shot them like kind of back to back for like quite a few months in Atlanta, correct? Yeah, it was, I remember I flew out like first week of March and then we started 1994. And then after 94, we went straight into 1666 because most of the cast for that one overlapped Mm. with 94 more. Mm -hmm. Um, So they brought in the people who were from 78 to do 1666 and then we all left and then they shot and then they moved to the campgrounds to shoot the last movie after we left, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was really cool to see. I mean, first of all, such a big cast. I mean, it's three movies, it's gonna be yeah. a lot of people, but a very like diverse cast of also like a lot of younger people who didn't have a lot of credits. I feel like it was a lot of up and comers, which was like really great to see because I feel like you don't see that mm-hmm. very often, especially with like teen Netflix recycling like <laughs> most of the actors they use. Yeah, it was it was really cool because. Uh, I guess I, I really, I, on paper am the, I had no credits really, um, and no experience. And I was like, oh, I'm ter- This is terrifying. I love how you're like, I have no experience. I'm like, you had multiple national commercials. <laughs> I was like, Julia's like getting fucking work out here. <laughs> I had a, the Ikea commercial, which was nice. Cause it was like, I guess I did that in college, but it was, you do one day yeah. on set cleaning a dorm room mm-hmm. and then it plays for like four years and you're like I can't believe I'm still getting paid for like the day I was like is it still running no not anymore oh um, yeah. yeah sad because that that, mm-hmm. that commercial money <laughs> is yeah. nice, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah 
How do you feel being, I don't, I don't want to, I'm going to phrase this in like the worst way possible. No, go So maybe we it. can edit around this. <laughs> but like, I know that you're Filipino and like you're super proud of being Filipino. So like, how was it like a cool experience getting to like be on screen? Like, did you feel like if like young Julia could see you, she'd be like, whoa. I hope like that would be, that's kind of like, I think a, a big goal, um, is kind of to be able to just be there on screen. And if kids see that be like, oh, I can, that could be me. Like I could do that. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if anyone had that experience, but if they did, I think that that would be, I would love that deeply. Yeah. Cause I feel like we're ever so slowly getting a lot more representation on screen Mm -hmm. in like certain ways and whatnot. Um, But I feel like at least for me, a big career goal is to hopefully advocate for even more Filipino and Southeast Asian representation Yeah, within like, not just myself, but like others. So, you know, hopefully I can continue <laughs> to do that. Absolutely. It was really refreshing to watch this movie where there was a lot of like different identities on screen and stuff like that, because I feel like a lot of what I've been seeing lately, especially for like a younger audience, is like really hokey and disingenuous. Yeah. But the way that this was portrayed was just like really genuine. Like no one was playing anything up or like making fun of anything. Um, like the two leads being like girlfriends, I just thought fit perfectly into the film. It wasn't put on. So that was like super refreshing to see. Yeah. I, I kind of felt that way when I was reading the script too. Um, Cause sometimes I get scripts that feel like caricatures of like minority groups. Yeah. And I'm like, this, I can tell this isn't written by someone yeah. who has real like sympathy for these groups or is a part of it. Cause no one like this doesn't, this, no one talks like that. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of nice to like read through the scripts and be like, Oh, like this is just like a real group of teenagers who are all get along and they're real people. Um, yeah. And they're, yeah they just kind of get along and they vibe and they know who each other are and they accept it so it doesn't feel like that needs to be the obstacle for Mm -hmm. um any sort of like plot development which is nice yeah for sure they can just like be themselves exist and that doesn't have to be like the thing that gets in their way yeah we did want to know what you were like in high school and if you see any similarities between your high school self and kate Uh, Yeah, I actually really, yeah, I I kind of read the script and I was like, oh, this is, A, it felt like a character that I would, like, if you could ask me to, like, make a character that catered to, like, all my strong suits, I was like, oh, it's, Lee just wrote that, it's Kate. She really did kind of remind me of, like, a slightly grittier version of myself in high school, Mm-hmm. I was like super involved and was like on student leadership and involved in theater and running clubs and everything. I was like, back then I didn't think I was going to be an actor. I was like, I have to like get into a really good school and have to do everything I can to like look good to colleges, so, like get out of here. And I think the way Kate like handles like friendship was also very much like young me and also still kind of like current me. I am not a very mm-hmm. like affectionate or like that type of person normally. Um, but I think 
with my friends, like I'm like, once you're my friend, I will literally ride or die. Like I'm yeah. in hundred percent. Right. And like Kate's that same way. I don't think she is friends with really, I wouldn't say really friends with anyone outside of like the group that we see. Mm-hmm. And I think because she's so careful about who she chooses to have in her group, cause she could leave like, yeah, no, no one's really after her, but, and yeah. as much as she is like all about success and getting what she wants and she is like always looking out for herself and her like goals and dreams like the only thing that I think she cares about more than that is like her people which going into this movie is like Simon and Dina Mm -hmm. yeah and I was like I was like oh yeah I everything that's going on with that character wise completely made sense to me and reminded me (laughs) a lot of myself yeah that's really cool for sure yeah, I think um, the the idea of like a, a high school horror movie, I mean, it's done a lot. But um, one thing that I actually texted Mo when I was watching this for the first time, I was like, this feels like this generation's scream. Yeah. Um, and that your character felt like very much a Tatum Riley like, kind of vibe. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I that's why I was so excited to placate, too, is because like I, I do love horror movies and the characters that I always gravitated towards, like watching them were always, it was like Tatum Riley and then mm-hmm. Helen Shivers from, I know what you did last summer, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar's character. Mm. And they're like two, I think if you're like, if I'm looking towards inspiration for like who the character of Kate was in like older generations movies, it would probably be something like that. It's like the best friend mm-hmm. who's like, super kind of like spunky and has a like a lot of personality but who like (laughs) doesn't make it out and yeah I'm like oh yeah yeah that's like exactly the type of vibe that I wanted to carry on with this one hopefully it 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 came through for sure like I think if if one is in a horror movie like you want to have one of those iconic deaths and I feel like in 10 years when people are looking back on Fear Street I feel like K will definitely be fitting into like oh, that yeah. category for sure. It's just so memorable in the final scene and you're like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> yeah, because you really make it that far and you're like, oh, this movie's almost done. Like, they're going to be okay. <laughs> guess again. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I guess on that note, what uh, what are some – like, what is your favorite horror movie if you have a favorite or like a top three? Uh, I mean, I it probably would be Scream. I think Scream is – the horror movie that I revisit the most, um, Mm -hmm. like at least yearly at Halloween, at least (laughs) once Mm -hmm. a year, Um, which also I think was the movie that started like, I was like obsessed with Matthew Lillard as a kid. I like, yeah. Oh my God. And that would be another movie I was obsessed with as a kid was this live action Scooby-Doo movies. Very good. Those were huge. Great films. Yeah, because I'm also a huge Sarah Michelle Gellar fan. (laughs) I was like, "Ah, everyone's in this movie. Um, yeah, so Scream, and then it's kind of hard to judge more recent horror movies, because I'm, like, I'm not sure which ones will, like, stand the test of time, you know? Like, I don't know how many I'd seen that I would, like, Mm rewatch again in a few years, but I'd say if maybe The Witch, I like Mm -hmm. that one a lot, but my second favorite after Scream in the classics probably would be I Know What You Did Last Summer, Probably, yeah. There's, like, a lot. I kind of watched most of the, like, classics because I was kind of, like, obsessed with horror movies when I was younger. But 
I don't want to rant about it because I feel like I'll just like list <laughs> off like a bunch, but I, I am a Scream <laughs> fanatic. And that's probably like as a whole, like for f- like franchises, I think it's like there's a lot of horror franchises where I've watched the original and then I, I don't really like stick around mm. to watch like every sequel, but Scream I've watched every single one multiple times. Would you would you be interested in doing like more horror movies, like kind of sticking to this genre or like do you have other things that you have in mind that you want to work on? I think I probably want to definitely want to branch out at least probably for my next one. Um, But I do love horror Mm. movies and I would absolutely do another one. I think I just I'd want it to be like a horror movie with a good like script, like with characters that are real humans, not just like typical stereotypical characters um so if there's a script like that i would not say no um i think genre wise i think it would be really fun to do a completely opposite thing and like like a rom-com exactly oh my gosh gosh. i'm obsessed with like fred and i are both obsessed with rom-coms and especially like Mm -hmm. like old classic ones and it kind of feels like mm. it's been like a while yeah since we've had a rom-com that I'm like this is gonna like last I would agree yeah I'm like hoping and praying for a rom-com renaissance like I can feel it in the air I feel like it's coming it's just not quite yeah because I, I think that people kind of need it and like want to see it and I do think it's I a think, part yeah. of like yeah. Bridgerton was such a hit yeah because it was like a sh- whole show that was just about it's people were horny people, yeah people being <laughs> horny and like falling in love yeah mm-hmm. and like that's like the gist of it is and you're like oh yeah like I mm-hmm. kind of I do like I I want to see more of this and I'd like to see more rom-coms that I, I'm kind of over the rom-com trend of like, oh, it's a rom-com, but we're also jaded. Yeah, but it's like an indie <laughs> yeah, rom-com. It's like, it's like, it's it is romantic and it is a comedy, but it's not that funny because we're yeah we're new age. It's very like 2010s <laughs> yeah. Tumblr, and I'm yeah. over it. I want like the campy joy back. Yes, yeah. I think it's time. More camp in Hollywood. I always say, absolutely. I think the closest one to like that genre would be to all the boys I've loved before. Yes. Yeah. The first movie in that trilogy is literally mm-hmm. like so rewatchable and oh my yes, god, yeah. Such a joy. I'm like, yeah, I'll watch it again. Let me let me get on my pajamas mm-hmm. and some like <laughs> snacks. Oh yeah. When it came out, I watched it. Oh yeah. And I loved it so much that I watched it again the very next day cuz I was like there's nothing else like this There's out none. there yeah. it's just so like cozy and comfortable it's so cozy the music the aesthetics yeah. the like characters yeah. are just like oh this mm-hmm. is just a good time for sure for sure every time mo and i see each other we watch all of them it's true mm, i love that well the, the the plethora of you know producers uh and hollywood people that obviously listen to this podcast <laughs> you heard it here first julia is looking to do a hey. rom-com so cast her immediately i'm here i'm here <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that that's all we have right now. But if there's anything that you wanted to say or like anything you have coming up. Yeah. Let them people know where they can find you, where they can follow you, etc. Oh, I guess I'm on Instagram. Um, and my username is Julie B underscore Maria. You're verified now. I am. Uh, finally. Yes. I was going to. I. 
I was going to start a battle with Instagram. I was like, y'all need to, I was like, you're testing, you're yeah. testing my patience <laughs> at the moment. Um, but uh, we yeah. got there. And then I think I, I want to start streaming on Twitch because all I do is like really play video Ooh. games in my spare time anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm It's like, I have the same username on there. So I guess I'll plug that now because yeah. hopefully I'll actually have the self-discipline <laughs> to do that soon. But that's something that I think sh- will be like fun and exciting. And then still can't say exactly what I have coming up yet, but it should be good. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely we'll keep our eyes peeled mm-hmm. for Yay. sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It was so fun to get to chat with you and hear about your experience. Yeah. yeah. Thank you guys for having me. I'm so excited that you guys liked it and it's Halloween coming up again so no it's gonna be a new classic yeah I wonder how many um Kates there will be on Halloween night dressed uh, up oh my god! I'm like I would love to see like a group costume yeah that'd be a great group costume yeah oh my god I'm curious I, I hope I'll, I'll have to check Instagram on Halloween and see if anyone tags us in anything but that would be I think that'd be a cute costume because they're all kind of like yeah. I like costumes where you can dress up mm-hmm. like a character, but you can kind of like not have to completely break your budget while doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you could probably be the Fear Street gang and like on a on a budget and it'll it'll look good. Yeah. The nineties are super in, you know, easy, go to a thrift store. Easy. Exactly, exactly. All right, should we get into the movie? This is a new classic horror mm-hmm. movie, so I'm really excited to talk about it. Yes, me too. All right, so we open up. Mm. We hear a little voiceover that says, it started as a joke and ended in murder. We see um, nepotism baby <laughs> Maya Hawk. <laughs> AKA Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke's daughter. She's like, she's very talented though. So like I was, I was very happy to see her in this movie. But um, Maya Hawke, who plays Heather, I believe, yeah. is working at this bookstore called B. Dalton's. It's in the Shadyside Mall. And she's, you know, recommending this book to a customer. But the woman is like, that is just lowbrow horror. And I'm just like buying it for my stepdaughter. She's like, okay, whatever. And when the customer turns around, she flips her off. Mm-hmm. Have a nice day. Yeah. I love that. Good old customer service. Mm-hmm. Love it. And, you know, it's the end of the night. The Shady Side Mall is closing. So she's just kind of packing everything up when she gets a phone call. And it is her friend, Ryan, who works at uh, the Halloween store, I yeah. believe, in the mall. And um, he asks why she's working late. And she's like, oh, because my mom is short on shifts. And out of nowhere, the line goes dead. So she exits her store and is like looking around for Ryan because it's like very spooky and ominous. And that's when she gets spooked by like the janitor who's just like, have a nice night. And she turns around and Ryan is standing right behind her with like a blow up doll, Mm -hmm. scares the shit out of her. And she's really pissed at first, but she's like, oh, I guess I can't get too mad at you because you're my ride home. He's like, true. (laughs) So he just asks for 15 minutes so he can finish closing up and then – you know, they'll they'll head out together. And as he's walking away, he hears somebody say his name. So he turns around. He's like, 
what did you say? And Heather's like, oh, I, I didn't say anything and goes back into the store. I think that um, Heather is like, oh, I've had to work late since my mom spent her last paycheck on scratch tickets. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Which is like a whole other theme in the movie, like the social – or mm-hmm. sorry, not social, economic inequality. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. So at the bookstore, Heather finishes just closing up and cleaning up everything when she sees one of the books fall off the shelf. And so she's like, you know, got to go over, got to fix that. So she puts it back, but we see this figure rush behind her, knocking off another book. At that point, Heather turns around – she sees that her juice has been splattered mm. and there is blood fucking in that juice. Ooh. Things start to get shifty, start to get shady. This figure in a skeleton mask, who we end up calling Skull Mask for the rest of the movies, tries to stab Heather's stomach. But luckily, she held onto the book she picked up mm. and instead he just stabs this book um, and she blocks him from killing her. She runs over to the store that Ryan works at. She tries to call 911. But, like, as soon as she gets an operator, um, Skull Mask comes into the store. So she just has to, like, put the line down and abandon the phone. So she tries to get out of the Halloween store by staying quiet, being sneaky. But the figure pursues her. It turns out, like, where she's hiding, he's right behind her. So spooky. I know. And he ends up stabbing her, and she runs away. Oh, yeah, she runs to the food court? Yeah, she runs to the food court. And when she's walking through the food court, she sees these other dead people there, like other victims of this masked killer. (gasps) So she looks around and tries to run away, but he catches up to her and stabs her in the back. And then she falls to the ground. He gets on top of her and is just, like, stabbing away at her when she manages to take off his mask. And it's Ryan, her friend. (gasps) I know. And she looks into the eyes of her so-called friend. And she's like, it's me. It's me. But as she's saying that, Ryan is immediately shot in the head by Sheriff Good. The police officer. Oh my gosh, it's it's very very reminiscent of uh, Scream oh, with yeah. like Drew Barrymore being that like first girl, and it's wild when you think about the way that Scream was marketed, where Drew Barrymore was marketed as the star and like dies in the first yeah uh, ten minutes or so. Um, so it's cool that they also got like an industry child like Maya Hawk because Drew Barrymore is yeah. also an industry child to do this kind of like opening iconic thing. I thought that was cool. There's like a lot of parallels i feel like to scream i would agree uh especially because it's also set in the 90s but yeah is is very cool and that's when we get our title sequence and it kind of talks about like how there's a lot of death in shady side and there's a lot of like random murders and stuff whereas sunnyvale the neighboring town getting richer and richer yep, Entering its 30th year with no violent crime. We see a lot of like newspaper clippings and stuff about how Shadyside is the killer capital of the US. We see some of the other killers, such as um, the Nightwing Massacre killer, yeah. Ruby Lane, a teen killer, the Milkman, the Humpty Dumpty killer, and the original pastor in 1666 as well as drawings of the hanging of sarah fear Mm -hmm. so back to 1994 we see dina our lead character writing a note dear sam i hate you but she crosses that out and writes 
dear Sam, go fuck yourself. Love Dina and puts it in this shoe box she has. Then Dina goes downstairs into her living room. She cleans up all these empty beer cans and on the TV behind her, you can hear them talking about the massacre that happened in the mall. So Dina calls for her brother, but he is like a huge nerd. He's on AOL. He's in this chat room where they speak in like Renaissance. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, my lady. Yeah. It's really interesting. He's under a blanket too. It's like a it's lot. over him and the monitor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Josh. So they talk about skull mask in the chat room and how every decade there is a new random shady side killer and i guess they're like conspiracy theorists or something because they talk about how this is all the doing of the witch sarah fear and they believe that she is possessing all these shady siders to commit massacres mm-hmm. so then dina comes over and rips the blanket mm-hmm. off of his head and is like we're gonna be late for school but josh wants to finish up his chat and they get into this whole fight about like him being on aol because dial up is so expensive dial up <laughs> those were the days um and she's basically like what you're talking about is bullshit. And he says, it's not bullshit. It's a community that is dedicated to revealing the truth about what is possessing all of these shady siders to become serial killers. And he says that the media won't talk about the most important part. And he has this whole kind of like board. He has like a, it's like a, it's like a murder board what's, that you would see in like a police station. The guy. Oh, okay. If you've ever seen the episode where Charlie gets a job in the mail room. Yeah. It is literally like that. Yeah. Pepe With all the Sylvia. string and connecting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, but, yeah, he, he pulls down this book page, and it has a drawing of the one-handed witch, mm-hmm. Seraphir, who is being hanged on a tree, and it says, Seraphir, condemned to hell. Mm-hmm. So Dina and Josh get to school, and we see Josh walking down the hallway In slow motion, in the opposite direction, (laughs) we see Kate in her cheerleading uniform. Yeah. She walks by him, and my man Josh is out here fucking drooling, okay? Yeah. He's, like, repeating this mantra, which I find very odd, but, like, go off, king, whatever you need. He's, like, A, B, A, B, Mm -hmm. up, down, up, down, to, like, relax. Left, right, yeah. And I'm, like, you can't can't bag the ladies when when you're saying that. You can't. You got to pick something else how old is josh because i assume that like kate dina sam simon they're all like 17 Uh, yeah i think they're juniors and maybe he's a freshman or a sophomore yeah so he'd be like 14 15 oh Oh, my gosh a baby a baby (laughs) then we see dina walking down the hall seeing everyone who is a couple everyone holding hands rolling her eyes She finally gets to her locker and watches this kid carve R.I.P. on Heather's locker, which is like covered in these um, photos of her and just like memorabilia and stuff. Then Kate comes up and she's like, it's the witch. Sarah fears back. And I'm like, your classmate just died, bro. Yeah. No sensitivity. It's pretty morbid the way that a lot of the kids are acting. Yeah, they need therapy. Yeah, in in the wake of their classmates' death. But I guess because it happens so much in Shady Side, there's like a, a desensitivity thing going on. But Definitely. It's pretty crazy. So 
uh, Kate and Dina go into the bathroom where on all of the stalls is like spray painted can pa- painted. Yeah. It's like spray canned. That's not <laughs> a word. Um, spray painted. <laughs> yeah. Um, this like rhyme about Sarah fear and Kate, you know, reads it, performs it. She's like, she reaches from beyond the grave to make good men her wicked slaves. And that's when their friend Simon pops out of one of the stalls. You may recognize him from White Lotus. Yeah. He's like, she'll take your blood. She'll take your head. She'll follow you until you're dead. And they're kind of laughing about it. And Dina says that they're being dicks. And they're like, no, we're just having fun. You know, it was like a guy in a Halloween skull mask for crying out loud. And she's like, bro, people died. Yeah. Which is true. (laughs) And she says that the killer was probably just like a sad, messed up guy like the rest of them, except that he actually snapped. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no witch. The only thing that made him go crazy was this town. And Simon is like, oh, I don't know. Like, what's your deal? Sounds like you got a little bit of witch in you. (laughs) And that's when he reaches into this air vent in the bathroom to grab this box that they've stashed there. Yeah. And Kate's like, we don't actually believe in this witch stuff. It's just like Santa Claus. Who cares? And Dina gives Kate um, this box to give to Sam tonight. And Kate's like, why don't you just give it to Sam yourself? Like, I don't want to get involved in your ex drama. This is when we find out that Dina has been dating this girl, Sam, and they broke up recently. So she's like, give the box to her yourself. But Dina's like, I'm not going to the game. I quit band. And Kate's like, (laughs) your only extracurricular? Your only extracurricular activity. And tells her to just put on her uniform one last time and go to the game. Plus, um, she has a box of drugs. Yeah. So she's like, I can take the edge off whatever you're feeling. We find out Kate and Simon are drug dealers, and Kate's also the valedictorian. So she's really, like, going sicko mode. She, like, has all these extracurriculars Mm -hmm. that she's doing. She's the president of every club. And basically, she's just selling drugs to get out of shady side and save up money. Yeah. She's uh she's girl bossing a little too close to the sun. A little too close. <laughs> so we then go to like an assembly where the coach for the football team tells the students that all band, cheer, and athletes must attend this candlelight vigil that the Sunnyvale team is throwing for you know, the victims of this massacre. Mm -hmm. So Dina does end up getting on the bus in her band uniform and sits down, puts on her headphones, presses play on that Walkman and listens to (laughs) Creep by Radiohead. You're right, you're right. The girl (laughs) listens to a lot of Pixies in this movie in general. Oh, yeah. it's. I mean, it's a great soundtrack for sure. I highly recommend taking a listen. But, you know, they drive into Sunnyvale and you see the stark difference Mm -hmm. in architecture between Shadyside and Sunnyvale. There's a huge um, economic disparity, to say the least. They finally get to the football field and the mayor of Sunnyvale makes a speech at the vigil and tells them that all of Sunnyvale um, mourns with them, which everyone from Shady Side thinks is a load of shit. Yeah. And Kate just gawks at this statement because the only Sunnyvale students that are there, they're, they're like the football players and the cheerleaders who literally had to come like they were forced to. 
So Adina looks over at the people from Sunnyvale and sees her ex-girlfriend, Sam, being held by her new boyfriend. He's like grabbing her ass. They're making out and stuff. At a vigil. Very weird. Very odd. I mean, it's weird. It's weird to do just in general because like you're in high school, like your teachers are around, like parents are around. You're like fully like grabbing both of her ass cheeks in public as a teen, but also at a vigil. Vigil thing is weird for me. Yeah. It's weird for me. Yeah. So Dina feeling just super hurt, walks away. She goes and sits down on the sidewalk around the corner and opens this box of Sam's things. Sam actually ends up coming over to her and she's like, wow, I didn't think you were coming. I thought you quit band. And Dina's like, I did. And just kicks the box of things to her. Meanwhile, at the vigil, we see, you know, the students lighting their candles and Sheriff Good gets up to the stand and talks about how, you know, bad things happen to Shady Side, but there are no answers as to why they do. <laughs> and uh, if you've seen the rest of the trilogy, <laughs> loaded moment. If you know, you know. Yeah, if you know, you know. And we cut back to, you know, Dina and Sam who have now started to get into an argument because Dina is walking away from Sam, but Sam wants to talk about like what happened between them and reminds her that Dina is the one that broke up with her. Interesting. Yeah. And Dina's like, well, you're the one who moved to Sunnyvale, (laughs) but it's because Sam's parents got divorced and like she didn't really have a choice. Not really her fault. You know, when you're, when you're 16, 17, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah. And Sam reminds her that she only moved half an hour away, but Dina's like, well, you know, like, between Sunnyvale and Shadyside, like, it might as well be a million miles, essentially. A little dramatic. A little bit dramatic, (laughs) um, which, you know, happens with teens. Mm -hmm. But Dina, you know, points out that Sam was always too afraid to tell anyone about them. So it's, it's kind of insinuated that Sam isn't really out publicly. I was also confused. Where Zena very much is. Do you think that Sam is a lesbian or is she bisexual or like? I don't know. It's 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 hard to say because she's definitely not like really into her boyfriend. Mm. She doesn't really seem to actually like him. But I feel like it's insinuated that she's bi, whereas it's very much implied that Dina is lesbian. a lesbian. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. And Dina asks Sam, like, oh, so what's the name of the guy that was fucking groping you out there? (laughs) And they kind of argue about it before Sam is eventually like, Peter, his name's Peter. And Dina's like, you know what? I get it. Didn't have much of a future in Shadyside with a lesbo. Best case, you end up like Heather working a shift and getting killed. Or even worse, you end up the killer. It's pretty fucking brutal. Oh, yeah. So back at the field, the vigil is happening. Peter is starting shit, though. Oh, my God. He's like, you know, it isn't a tragedy if it happens every week. It's a joke. That's when Sam and Dina, wherever they are, continue to fight. Sam asks her to stop being mad at her for wanting a different future. And Dina's like, it's not much of a future you're pretending to be someone else 
but shit is escalating on the field. That you, there's a total parallel oh between things escalating with Sam and Dina and things escalating on the football field. Mm-hmm. They end up fighting on the football field because of this conflict between the Shady Siders and the Sunnyvale students, just talking shit back and forth. Kate tries to get involved at one point, and she gets punched in the face. That is such a great transition where it goes from her screaming to getting punched to then her being on the bus icing her face, like in quick succession. Yeah, giving everyone a pep talk. Yeah, it's it's a really great transition. Um, but on the bus back to Shady Side, Kate is like fully uh escalating the situation further yeah. <laughs> and giving a whole like speech to the entire bus. Are we going to take their shit? Yeah. They can't just ruin our vigil and then go waltzing back to their mansion. This shit ends tonight. And Simon's like, what are we going to do? And Kate's like, we're going to kill those preppy assholes. And everyone is just like super riled up. Meanwhile, Dina is just lying on the seat in the back, listening to her music. So it's emo. sad girl hours. <laughs> yeah. So she ends up looking out the like back window of the bus where she sees this car that's driving behind them. And it's a bunch of sunny veilers. They're wearing like the skull masks and throwing like bottles and shit at the back of the bus. So, she ends up calling her friends over and Simon moons them. Yeah, full ass cheeks. Yeah, full ass out. Um, God, oh, it's <laughs> – the reference I just thought of was from fucking Keely Williams' uh, Spectacular song. <sighs> she was like, face down, ass up, <laughs> was what came to mind. Yikes. But <laughs> – Kate, you know, comes over and that's when they notice that Sam is in the passenger seat of the car. So it's obviously like her boyfriend, Peter, and one of his like stupid friends. So that's when Dina is like livid. She's like, I'm going to kill them. (laughs) Yeah. She picks up the giant cooler of like Gatorade or punch or whatever, and they open the emergency door and Dina's trying to get Kate to like throw this this kool-aid at them kate is super hesitant does not want to potentially cause a car Catch crash. And charge yeah. yeah and so dina is counting to three for them to throw this thing and that's when kate notices that her nose is bleeding mm-hmm. and she's like dina your nose and that's when dina gets distracted and accidentally lets go of this cooler and it goes flying out uh. the emergency door and hits the car So they end up swerving and they like go off the road, like into a ditch and crash. So Dina calls for the driver to stop the bus. Yeah, pretty intense. Yeah. So at the car crash, Peter and his buddies, they all survive. They're just like really like, whoa, what the fuck? And for some reason, whiplash. Yeah, exactly. for For some reason, Sam opens the door to the car and crawls out. And Peter's like, Sam, Sam, like, you know, like, where are you going? And her nose is also bleeding. She ends up having this vision of Sarah Fear being hanged. Dina ends up coming over to her and Peter's like, oh, get away from her. Calls her a, a bull dyke freak in the midst of a, of a terrible car accident. He has the yeah. audacity to come up with this insult. He said, I'm a homophobe first. And in person, person second. second, yeah. <laughs> Y'all, I just found Christ. out about homophobia today. That shit is not cool. <laughs> yeah, that shit is not okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Dina's like, Sam, you know, I'm here. 
are you okay? And Sam is like, did you see it? And then Simon comes over and he's like, we have to clear the airways. I'm like, Simon, what are you even talking about? You're not a doctor. You're not a medical professional. This man... This man is doing just bit after he bit is after only bit doing after bits. bit. He's only doing bits. So, um, yeah, he's just like, we got to clear the airways. And then it's like, I think maybe Gina says like, oh, I think she has a concussion. And he's like, no, how many fingers am I holding up? And she's like, three. And then immediately pukes blood on him. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we got to call the cops. We got to call the police. Yes. So Sheriff Good arrives and he interviews Dina, just kind of questioning her about the crash. And he asks if the car was pursuing them. And she's like, I mean, they were driving behind us. I don't know if that was really pursuing. And he mentions how she was seen with the cooler opening the emergency door Mm. before the crash. But Dina just kind of denies every allegation. And so do all of the other kids. They all say, like, it was an accident because these kids are firmly – a cab for sure. They <laughs> on both sides. For real, Aria. So good is like, okay, well, if you think of anything, give me a call. You know, I'm on your side. Okay. Peter then comes up to Dina and he's like, My car is fucking totaled. Like, no, just bitching about shit. And Dina's like, Yeah, I'm sure daddy will fix it for you. Ask daddy for a new car. Yeah. And so that's when Sheriff Good turns around and Peter like pulls Dina in for a hug to make things look kosher and calls her shady side trash and tells her that they're all fucking dead. So he walks away and we hear some some voices whisper in the woods and we see those like spooky, scary like flashes of Sarah fear. Yeah. Then next night, Josh comes into Dina's room, wakes her up. Listen, the cops called dad at work about the crash last night. You've been in bed all day. Get out of bed. Dina does end up getting up on the TV. You can hear the interview with the mall janitor just talking about Ryan Torres um, being identified as the killer. Dina ends up calling the hospital to talk to Sam, but her mom answers instead. And she's like, Dina, is this you? Leave my daughter alone. Yeah, she says something crazy like, you won't stop until you've ruined Ooh, yeah. your life completely. I'm like, Jesus. It's very intense. This girl, like, saved your daughter. I mean, she may have also caused the crash, but she did <laughs> save her afterwards. <laughs> yeah. At this point, the doorbell is also ringing, and she is, like, yelling at Josh to answer the door. But obviously, Josh is doing his AOL nightly grind Mm -hmm. and can't hear Dina over the music that he's listening to. So Dina answers the door instead, but no one's there. And then she sees a skeleton masked man across the street Mm -mm. who she assumes is Peter playing a prank on her. Yeah. I, I would be shitting my pants. I would not be cool with that shit. I would really not be cool with that. I, I've been watching, like, the Halloween movies for the first time. Yeah. And the scariest thing is the slow walking. So if I just saw someone, yeah. like, standing there like that. They're they're mm-mm. too sure of themselves. If they're not running, yeah. they have too much confidence, and that's scary. Can't do it. So Josh just come up from downstairs, and he's like, oh, was that the pizza? And Dina's like, are you joking? <laughs> and then from the kitchen, Dina sees the – 
let's call them skull masks from now on. Tina sees skull yeah, masks skull mask. from across the way. He's like in the backyard. Again, thinking it's Peter, she walks outside with a knife from the kitchen and tells him that he's pathetic. Meanwhile, our gal Kate is babysitting. And by babysitting, I mean using these children to pack her little drug goodie bags to sell. She's like, oh, yeah, like this color goes with this color. And if you finish, then you can watch um, So-Called Life with me. Meanwhile, Simon is in the living room. He's watching TV and Kate gets him to help her sort some laundry. He takes off his jacket and he's still wearing that like t-shirt from last night that is stained with Sam's like puke blood all over it. Pretty gross. Yeah. Um, It's because apparently he was working a double today and didn't have time to change. This is the only thing in his car. So once again, we're getting that theme of like yeah. the kids in Shady Side are really having to support their parents. Um, there's like a really uh, rough economic uh, situation going on with everybody. Yeah, it's interesting. They kind of play it subtly. They don't really talk mm-hmm. about it, but it's like Kate's babysitting, selling drugs. Yeah, Simon has a job at the grocery store. Dina's dad is always at work. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I yeah. think it's it's very it's very subtle and it feels very real and grounded and and we talked about this when we were talking to Julia about how it all feels very genuine and it doesn't feel like it's played for any sort of like we're trying to check boxes or anything. It feels uh, very real and it's it's nice to kind of see that nuance, especially with teen media that you see a lot everyone is like so fucking rich and they live in these like beautiful houses yeah it feels really unrealistic yeah it's, it's cool to see something that feels much more real mm-hmm. um but yes so kate sees this bloodstained shirt and is like that's disgusting like <laughs> gross so she ends up going back into the living room because she gets like a 911 page from dina yeah and simon takes off the shirt and just like tosses it on the couch So Kate calls Dina and talks about how she's babysitting at the moment and like uh, flicks the lights on and off because Dina can see the house from her place. And Dina tells Kate about how Peter has been creeping around her house Mm -hmm. dressed like skull mask to like fuck with her. And Kate's like, that's so weird. Anyways, I got to go and hangs up. And that's when Kate hears like the window smash. So her and Simon tell the kids to stay in the dining room and they go and investigate. They see that the front door is wide open and they hear like shit being tossed around in the living room. So they peek around the corner and it's skull mask and he turns to look at them and they immediately hide again. And Kate thinks it's just Peter. So she's like, it's fine. Like he's just doing something weird. So she turns back but skull mask is gone and that's when simon picks up his shirt that he had tossed on the couch and it's been stabbed spooky so kate is like this isn't normal she ends up taking the kid she's babysitting to be watched by this neighbor miss lane uh formerly nurse lane um, she's like, oh yeah, if you, thank you so much for taking care of them. She's like, oh, of course, like no problem. I used to be a nurse and, um, you know, is everything okay? Because she sees Simon's bloody shirt and he just zips up his jacket and, um, I almost called her Julia. Kate's like, <laughs> I keep doing that. I keep on doing that. And then Julia said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Kate's like, oh, everything's fine. I just need to kill that pervert. <laughs> Cut to Dina's house. 
Yeah, so the the gang is trying to figure out, like, why Peter would break in. What is he trying to do that's so weird, especially with kids in the house? And Josh is just, like, staring at Kate. Man is, like, locked the fuck in. A lot. And he's like, yeah, this whole thing is whack. And Kate's like, yeah, it is whack. <laughs> and that's when she says that, you know, Peter, he can't prank them on their own turf. They're not going to let him get away with this. Dina needs to help get him but more importantly they need to fuck sam up too because Mm -hmm, she's mm -hmm. a part of this whole thing so the whole gang including josh who comes by kate's invitation she's like are you coming or what and they all head out together so the gang goes to the hospital and when they get there they ask the secretary or actually, they kind of just get her attention. And then she's like, yeah, fill out these forms. Like, the secretary does not give a fuck about them. And they're like, mm-hmm. no, actually, we're here to visit someone. And she's like, well, visiting hours are over. That's when Kate goes up to her and she's like, let me speak to Nurse Betty, which immediately gets her attention. This creepy nurse wearing all pink mm-hmm. with a name tag that says Eddie but there's like a drawn on B um, comes over. Basically, Kate's like, I need a favor. And Nurse Betty is like, well, ever since we had this issue with um, being short on blueberries and bananas, like I haven't been able to get anything. Like there's a special key, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. She's like, no, we just need to visit someone. So Nurse Betty lets Dina go in and see Sam. So Dina goes over to visit Sam at her bed and just, like, immediately confronts her about Peter. And Sam is like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And Dina kind of explains that he's been stalking her tonight and he broke into, like, the house that Kate was babysitting at. And Sam is like, that's impossible. Peter has been here the whole night. Dina's like, no. (laughs) No. No. (laughs) And Peter walks in and is like, you need to back off right now. Sam is literally bagging, like, bagging men, a woman, whomstever. Oh, yeah. She's, uh, she's in demand. Yeah. Meanwhile, Kate and Simon are waiting. Um, Kate asks Simon for some cash for the vending machine, but Simon's like, I'm broke as a joke. <laughs> and so she's like, Josh, do you have anything? And Josh is like, uh... Uh, checks his front pockets, his uh, back pockets, his his little yes. tiny pocket on his jeans, his shirt pocket. He's like, I don't have anything. So the thing is, although he doesn't have any money, Josh does know how to hack the vending machine because he yeah, spends pretty sick too much time on the internet, <laughs> my dear. Yeah. And all of these bars of candy, snacks, etc., they all fall out of the vending machine. I would be very worried about Josh being like radicalized. On, like, some on deep, dark, like, part of the web. Yeah, he's like... <laughs> so that does scare me. <laughs> yeah, a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Sam and Dina are arguing away, and Dina basically tells Sam to stop covering for Peter and that he's a bad guy. And Sam is like, you're out of control. You are the one who put me in this hospital, and now you're here yelling at me. And Dina says that it was an accident. You know, she got a nosebleed. It wasn't her fault. And Sam just tells her to stop with the excuses. Don't blame her when she wakes up in 10 years just like her dad, <gasps> old and drunk and going nowhere. That's a pretty rude thing to say. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, that is like brutal. I mean, to say to anyone, but especially like somebody that you dated and were in love with and who like was very vulnerable oh, yeah. with you about this very harrowing home life, like to just throw that back in her face is it's pretty Smoke awful. Right. Um, pretty bad. That ain't sitting right. And then <laughs> Dina is like, first of all, go to hell. Second of all, mm. congrats on moving to Sunnyvale. All you had to do was suck it up literally and swallow some gets Ooh. cut off. And Sam is like, I never want to see you again. And Dina is like, have a nice goddamn life. But just as this is happening, Skull Mask stabs Peter. Oh, my God. Bro. That shit is spooky. Spooky ooky. Meanwhile, in the hallway, Kate, you know, asks Josh how he knows how to, like, hack the vending machine. And he's like, oh, yeah, people trade hacks like that online all the time. Too much time on the internet in 1994. Way too much time. Dial-up is expensive. Who's paying for this? He's been stealing it. From who? I don't know. But he asks Kate when she started selling drugs. And Kate's like, oh, it's only temporary. I'm just doing it to save up so that I can get out of Shady Side, you know, go to college. And Josh, Josh is like, take me with you. I and know. Simon. I know. <laughs> take me with you. Take me with you. Simon's like, <laughs> yeah. Like, Josh, you're 14. You are 14 years old, my guy. And that is when, you know, during this delightful little convo, Dina and Sam bust through, like, the doors into the hallway and are like, run, as they're being chased by the skull mask. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. they all run down the hallway. Simon is looking for the keys to the car. He can't find them. And Kate's like, let's just take this ambulance over here. Okay. Sure. <laughs> cool. So Dina and Sam... Um, who have run past them at this point, are hiding behind the secretary desk to avoid skull mask. That's when they notice he has murdered the secretary who they met when they first got to the hospital. And they also see him kill nurse Betty. So Sam screams and they try to escape, but Sam is caught by a skull mask. Um, Dina helps her get out of his hold before they end up uh, just being able to get away and go onto the ambulance with everyone. And Dina sees that the skeleton mask, skull mask guy, is Ryan. Yeah. Because he takes off his mask for a second. She's like, whoa, like what? What the hell? So they get in the ambulance and drive away. And he has the bullet. He has the bullet hole in his forehead, too. It's fucking scary. Oh, my goodness. So then we go over to the police station, the jailhouse, and that is where Sheriff Good is talking to Martin, who is the janitor the night of, like, the mall massacre. He's in the cell, and he tells Good that, like, those weren't his spray cans. Somebody planted them. He doesn't know anything about them. And Good is like, oh, yeah, LOL, haha, yeah, they're actually my spray cans. And... <laughs> The janitor's like, why would I even spray paint, like, my own place of work? That makes no fucking sense. Yeah. And Sheriff Good is like, um, you know, people around here respect me and they call me Sheriff Good and walks out. And Martin's like, yeah, Sheriff motherfucking evil. Burn. Mm-hmm. Dina and Sam arrive and they talk to a cop at the precinct. 
he doesn't believe a word that they're saying about Skull Mask. And that's when Sheriff Good comes over. But while this is going on, Josh, Simon, and Kate are all waiting by the ambulance. They're kind of just like talking about how they probably shouldn't have a stolen ambulance so close by and how hiding in plain sight can be handy and that Ted Bundy did that. So Josh and Kate start to talk about Ted Bundy. Simon leaves to pee. He's like, okay, whatever. And Kate asks Josh why he knows so much about killers. And he's like, know thy enemy. Oh my gosh. I don't know. Okay. I don't know if you saw this, but um, so the Zodiac Killer was identified this week. This week? Yeah. They they find, they figured out like who it is, essentially. Are they alive? No, he's dead. Convenient. <laughs> but um, I don't know if this is true or if this is just like a stupid thing on Twitter because like who the fuck knows? I did not fact check this at all. But there was like a, a, a film review for like a movie about Ted Bundy okay. by like the guy who is the same name as the dude who is the, the Zodiac Killer. And it, it said something like not realistic at all. Like Ted Bundy is super overrated. And people were like, not the Zodiac Killer literally shitting on Ted Bundy in a movie review. You scared me. Sorry. We're literally talking about Ted Bundy and like I hear the door <laughs> creeping open. <laughs> it's spooky hours. Keep that in the show though, for sure. <laughs> oh my gosh. So then back inside the police station, Dina and Sam are talking to Sheriff Good and basically reiterating their story. And he ends up showing them a picture of Ryan's dead body, which is like, that feels That's against protocol. That yeah. he does that. <laughs> That's insane. He's like, oh, you thought you saw him? No. Here's a dead human. Yeah. Here's a photo of a dead person. Hey, teens who are just telling me about how you were just chased by a killer. Let me show you a picture of a classmate of, a, of yours yes. that's with a fucking bullet in his head. <laughs> what? what is that shit? Insane. Um, but he then pulls out some paperwork and starts like fucking with them and making fun of them being like, oh, haha, Like, oh, what do I put? So dead people were chasing you. LOL. <laughs> this dude is it more like <laughs> night of the living dead or Dawn yeah. of the Dead. Oh, God. He's kind of a prick, yeah. Absolutely. Fucking trolling these poor people. And that's when this other cop that they were talking to earlier comes over and he's like, oh, we just got a call from the hospital. Sounds kind of urgent. And Good mm -hmm. is like, all right, I got it. Let me take care of this. Meanwhile, outside, Simon is peeing um, on the building. He sees this cop car go by and he, it kind of spooks him. He's like, I'm about to get arrested <laughs> for public indecency. <laughs> yeah. And that's when he hears this girl singing down the street. And that is when I would run in the opposite direction. Me too. <sighs> kids. But <laughs> back at kids. the police station. <laughs> yeah. Back at the police station. Like, this this other cop is not listening to the girls at all. They're on their way out, and, like, Dina sees his gun in his holster. Mm -hmm. And that's when she just starts, like, jumping on him and attacking him. And he's like, what the fuck? And she's like, I'm so sorry. Like, I don't know what came over me. And they get thrown <laughs> out of the station. Dina has stolen his gun. Yeah. Which is insane. That is insane. <laughs> It's so crazy. Yeah. So outside, Simon goes up to the singing girl as if it wasn't already creepy enough. And he's like, mm -hmm. are you okay? 
She has scars all over her face. Yeah. She pulls out a blade and slashes his ankle. The, it's so it's so intense. Meanwhile, Gina and Sam are going back to the ambulance and Sam is like you know, we should stay here in case that psycho shows up again. But Dina's like, no, we'll be ready. And shows her the stolen gun. <laughs> the stolen gun. Oh, my God. She's like, we're on our own. They didn't believe us. Hey, where's Simon? I have a gun. Meanwhile, Simon is being uh, attacked uh-huh. by this girl. Indeed. Uh, with her razor blade and her scars. And she's like fully straddling him and is trying to slit his throat. And I don't, I think she does like break skin at one point and like mm. she does end up cutting him a little bit. He like fights back. He ends up trying to strangle her. And that is when the other, you know, kids show up and Dina shoots this girl. So she drops the gun, which doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, you just stole this thing and you're already abandoning it. <laughs> and um, they run down the street. But as they run away, this girl who was trying to kill Simon, like, regenerates and heals from the multiple gunshot wounds she has just endured. Also- To her skull. Yeah. Also, her blood is black. So, just another spooky thing. Back at Dina's house, everyone's talking about how this bitch came back to life. They are freaked out. Simon says- She was hot and normal before she started freaking attacking him with this razor blade. Bitches be crazy. I know. (laughs) And Josh is like, was she singing an old song, like an oldie? And then he's like, that was Ruby Lane Mm. and shows them the newspaper clipping from Ruby Lane's death. So basically like... She sang as she murdered her boyfriend and her friends, and then she slashed her wrists. And Kate's like, why didn't I see this on the the news? And Josh is like, because it happened in 1965 and shows them all these other shady side killers. Oh, yeah. There's there's so many of them. And we kind of see a bunch of them, like the the milkman, um, the Nightwing killer. The creepiest one, in my opinion, is I believe it's Billy Barker is the one with like that weird like uh, kid mask. Yeah, what is that? And he has like a baseball bat, Mm -hmm. and it looks like he's like small too. Uh, It's that one freaks me out. That is the one that I'm the most afraid of. Yeah, who is who is the killer that creeps you out the most? (sighs) I don't know. That one was pretty gross to me. Um, I don't really like. Is it the axe man from uh, the camp who has like – he kind of looks like a scarecrow? Yeah, he has like the potato sack. I don't like that at all. On his head, the burlap sack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's pretty creepy. Um, Ruby is also creepy. Anyone that's like singing, I'm like, no. I'm like, done. No. Nope. Done. I'm I'm bouncing out. If you're singing or if, you, if or it's like a little kid, I'm like, absolutely not. Can't, can't deal with that shit. I'm piecing the fuck out. Um. So it all connects back to Pastor Cyrus Miller from 1666. He was the first murderer in Shady Side, and he killed kids and cut out their eyes. 
Oof. Sam takes this moment to excuse herself and puke up some blood in the kitchen sink. Yeah, just girly things. Um, so Dina ends up uh, getting Sam her favorite sweater of hers and brings it to her in the kitchen and sits down with her. And Dina says that she knows she, you know, gives her shit for pretending to be someone else, but, you know, it's not easy to be like them either. Sam tells Dina maybe she's right and that, you know, shit really is doomed. You know, they're together for one night and now they have dead people trying to kill them. Pretty intense. Yeah. That's when Josh tells everyone that Sarah Fear is possessing people for revenge on the town because she was hanged back in 1666. Basically, by cutting off her cursed hand, she kept her grip upon the land. And that's the nursery rhyme that they say. Mm-hmm. And Josh says all these massacres are connected to Sarah. The curse is real. Like, that's what this issue is all about. But Kate is like, that doesn't make sense entirely because this killing or rather these killings, like these murderers that are um, chasing them are different than the other ones because they're being pursued by the dead. Like, why is this happening to them? That's when Sam admits that she saw Sarah fear last night. She had a vision when she crawled out of the car wreck and her hands were like in the ground and she saw Sarah fear. So they all drive out to the woods to, like, where the crash site was. The car is still there? I'm like, what? Yeah, nobody came to remove the car, weird. which is weird. But, you know, they kind of reenact what happened. And and Sam's like, well, I, I crawled out here. And then I was crawling through this. They're on top of this, like, red moss. Yeah. And she finds a spot where she noticed that her nose was bleeding and touched it and then reached into the moss. Mm. And there's kind of, like, a hole in the ground there. And that's where she finds these chains and pulls up these chains. And the chains are connected to – This is so unrealistic. Yeah. It's an extremely shallow grave. Um, What? These these, (laughs) – the chains are connected to Seraphir's bones. From 1666? Yeah. No way. They're not underground at all. They're just under this moss. Yeah. Which is insane. But basically the conclusion that they come to is that Sam disturbed Sarah Fear's grave because on the, the chains there's a lock that has fear like mm-hmm. carved into it. And basically they realize that that's why these killer henchmen are being sent after them. And so Simon suggests that maybe they undisturb the grave and like give her a proper burial. And they're like – Okay, fine. So they start to like dig this little grave for Sarah's bones, but they're trying to do it quick because they're like hearing rustling in the woods. While they're doing this, Sam's nose starts to bleed again. Um, She wipes it off with her hand and then touches the bones to put in the grave. But she gets another vision and she sees like Sarah fear. She sees all this stuff happening. And Josh is standing guard while they're doing this, he's like, I think I saw someone, but he can't really be sure. So the gang finishes burying Sarah properly, and Kate's like, okay, did it work? It didn't work. Mm-hmm. The Camp Nightwing killer runs up on Josh to kill him, and the group runs out of the woods. Dina has to help Sam up because she's like 
kind of still having another vision. It's really intense. Yeah, they all run to the ambulance and they drive off immediately. And Simon's like, I don't get it. Why didn't our plan work? And Josh is like, maybe it's because of her missing hand. Because as we know, Sarah is like the one-handed witch because she cut off her hand while she was still alive. Mm -hmm. And they try and think about what could have possibly gone wrong. Why are these killers still coming after them? And Sam is like, they're not coming after you. They're coming after me. I saw the witch again. I'm the one whose blood was on her bones. That's what. That's what's happening. And Josh is like, oh, shit. Yeah, when the Nightwing killer was running up on us, he didn't even try to kill me. He went straight to Sam. And Dina's like, well, that doesn't make sense, though, because he still broke into like the house when Kate and Simon were there, and he tried to break into my house. And that's when they realized he wasn't after them. The killer was after the blood on Simon's shirt mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and after the blood on Dina's shoes, which both belong to Sam. Yes. Sam asks what they should do, and Kate's like – because they were talking about the parallels between their situation and Jaws. So Kate's like, they didn't go skinny dipping with the goddamn bait. Josh is like, okay – you know, if they're after Sam, we should give these assholes what they want. What could that mean? Back at um, the hospital, Sheriff Good sees these dead bodies that he was warned about by Dina and Sam, and he files a police report. Then when he's going to his car, he notices Ruby Lane's locket in the street along with some blood. Meanwhile, the gang all go to the Shadyside High School, and Simon grabs the lost and found box so that they can change it to new clothes that don't have, like, a drop of Sam's blood on it. They have to decontaminate themselves, and they all go to change, and Kate asks Josh Ooh. if he'll come into the girls' bathroom with her because she doesn't want to go in alone since Dina and Sam are going to the chem lab to wash off there. Yeah. In the chem lab, Dina is giving herself a, sh a sink shower, and Sam walks in. She notices Sam's shoulder wound, and she's like, oh, we have to cover that up. So Sam takes off her sweater. Meanwhile, in the bathroom, um, Simon is taking off his clothes. He's scrubbing himself down. And then in the girls' bathroom... Josh is washing up at the sink while Kate is in the stall and she asks him from the stall if he thinks that this plan is going to work. And he says yes, and that's when she asks him for help. So he walks over <laughs> and slowly opens the stall door where Kate oh is just in gosh. her bra and he is like all color has drained from his face. <laughs> He's sweating. He's panicking. He's like, A, B, A, B, up, left, down, right, right. Up, down. Yeah. Back at the chem lab, Dina is helping um, bandage Sam's wound. She's pretty much done. And Sam is like, this is all my fault. When I went to Sunnyvale, you know, I ran away from you because you were a reminder. She says she was scared of them being together. But um, tonight, for the first time in a while, she's felt like herself. That's when Dina pulls her in by her belt loops. And saucy. I know. She says she makes her feel like her. It's like a very intimate moment. Everyone's having intimate yeah. moments. 
back in the restroom, Simon is checking himself out in the mirror. He's kind of like <laughs> touching himself, like yeah. his chest and stuff. And then back in Kate and, and Josh's like bathroom, she asks him to check that her back is clean. And he can like barely look at her. She's like, you have to look at me. Yeah. So she turns around and he moves her hair to check her back. He's like, all good. So she turns back around and Josh asks, what if tonight is it for them? So he takes a step closer and leans in. Mm. Back in the science lab, Sam and Dina are like having a full on session and oh yeah <laughs> it's like very spicy it's like i forgot about this whole like montage that i was like oh shit this is like saucy yeah they hear a crash however um and they like look over but they can't see anything so then back in the hallway after everyone's you know finished whatever they're doing <laughs> um Simon is waiting for the rest of them when Josh and Kate come out of the bathroom and he immediately clocks that like something happened. Josh has the biggest smile on his face and Kate is like a little bit awkward. (laughs) And so he's like, oh my God. And Kate's like, relax. It was barely first base. And that's when Sam and Dina come over and Sam is like, did you guys go to pound town as well? (laughs) Did everyone go to pound town? He's like, me too. So a great time had, had by, by all. all. <laughs> then we have the plan montage. We see the group put their plan in motion. They are pouring blood in a bucket, putting blood throughout the halls, using the mop to kind of make these trails of blood throughout the school. And they say that they're just going to set up the school with blood as bait. And in the bathroom, they dump a ton of bleach on the floor. So Dina asks Sam if she's sure about this plan because it's like involving her potentially being killed, right? And Sam is like, yep, I'm sure. And she goes into the bathroom stall to wait. Um, Josh makes a mop trail of blood into the gym and we see this figure running through the halls kind of like lurking in the background. Yeah, Simon is also making his blood trail when he sees Ruby Lane show up, but she walks right past him and just follows that trail. We also see the skull mask show up and Nightwing. And, you know, all of the killers essentially are following these trails. The plan is working. They go right to the bathroom. They walk completely past the other kids, don't even really see them. So once they get into the bathroom, the killers are like, you know, busting open the stall doors looking for Sam But Sam has crawled through the little bathroom vent to the other side to get out into the hallway. Mm -hmm. So she manages to escape and they lock all of the killers in the bathroom, light it on fire. There's like a huge explosion. Yes, ma'am. It seems like everything's all good. They decide to go in and just make sure that there isn't any residual fire. And Simon uses all these fire extinguishers to make sure that every flame is put out. That's when Josh looks at the floor and he realized there's this like dark kind of like black matter moving. Mm. It is the killers um, being reborn out of this nasty black sludge. Yeah. So they all run into the classroom. Dina starts moving a desk to block the door. And Kate's like, 
they aren't coming for us. They're coming for Sam. We should just put her in the hallway and end this. Dina's like, you're a monster. And Kate tells her that they can't run anymore. Um, And Dina's like, I can't believe that you're suggesting we kill her. And Josh is like, that isn't really exactly what Kate's saying. And Kate shows her all the newspaper clippings. Like, she's like, there's no way to avoid this, essentially. Yeah. So Sam decides to agree with Kate. She's like, you know what? I don't want you to die for me. Dina tells her not to do this, but Sam leaves the room and Simon holds um, Dina back so that she won't keep her there. And then Kate locks the door behind her. Meanwhile, inside in the classroom, Josh is looking at the newspaper clipping about the Nightwing killer. And he sees that there was a survivor, C. Berman. Mm. Sam is seconds away from death. This man is charging right towards her. So at the very last second, they grab Sam and pull her back into the classroom and lock the door. And that's when Josh says that there's another way. C. Berman is the key. She was the survivor of Camp Nightwing and claims that night she saw a witch. So they end up finding her phone number in the yellow pages. Very convenient. (laughs) They call her, but they get her voicemail. So Dina leaves a voicemail and is like, the killers are after us, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, the whole deal. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Nightwing killer is hacking away at that door with his axe. He is like about to get in any moment now. The killer actually ends up being able to grab Simon by his head. So Josh stabs um, the killer's hand. Then Sam reads through the article again and realizes that C. Berman died. And that's how she survived. She was like found in the woods or whatever. And um, she had died, but a local Samaritan, good Samaritan, um, Mm. gave her CPR. So she was able to survive. They repeat Seraphir's rhyme and realize it ends with until you're dead. So they're like, okay, fuck. We just have to kill you temporarily, bring you back, and there won't be any more killers pursuing us. So Sam is like, fuck it. I'm dying tonight one way or another. Just try and bring me back. Mm -hmm. That's when Nightwing breaks into the classroom and the kids escape through the window and go back onto their ambulance. Meanwhile, we see Sheriff Good go up to this random house where he's about to knock on the door, but he stops at the last minute and ends up sliding a little note through the letter slot that just says, it's happening again. The kids all end up going to the grocery store that Simon works at, and we have this really great shot where it's a wall for employee of the month and Simon's employee of the month for every single month. (laughs) It's such a good detail. Yeah. And uh, basically, they all go to the pharmacy, they raid it, and Simon talks about how his older brother overdosed a few months ago, but, you know, they were able to bring him back, but he was dead for two minutes. Mm -hmm. So this is, you know, Kate's moment to shine. She comes up with this dosage plan along with Simon about how exactly to map out her death, like which pills will bring her to death at the exact right moment and what order she has to take them in. And their plan is to use all of the EpiPens that they have at the pharmacy to, like, basically jumpstart her heart again once she's dead. That cannot be real, right? No. 
I mean, I, I've never used an EpiPen. I've never had to, so I don't exactly know how they work, but I don't think that could bring you back from an overdose. Yeah. From an overdose. I mean, it would make more sense. Although I guess this probably didn't exist back then. Like a naloxone. Yeah. Which is what you would give someone now for an overdose. Mm Mm-hmm. So the gang ends up marking each other with Sam's blood so that the killers can pursue them as well. And um, Sam actually tells Simon and Kate that they don't have to do this. Kate's like, yeah, but you didn't have to sacrifice yourself either and you offer to. So they're going to end this together, which is a really nice moment because Simon and Kate did not like Sam when this movie started at all. Yeah, for sure. Josh and Simon are about to go to their positions when Kate stops Josh and gives him a kiss. Yeah. Big old smooch. One more for the road. Mm -hmm. So Simon and Josh walk off together and Simon suggests that they split up. But Josh says that's a bad idea. But Simon's just like, come on, man. Like, we have to do this. And in order to give, he gives them actually this like pep talk. Yeah. He's like, you know what? Kate does not have time for most people. And Josh is like, oh, she's just being nice because we're going to die. And he's like, maybe we're going to die, but Kate is not nice. Mm-hmm. Like, she sees something in you. So you should see that in yourself. You know, we would not have come this far without you. So man up and go and check that exit. Mm-hmm. Josh is like, okay. And they go their separate ways while Simon goes into the stockroom. So the plan starts to kind of roll into action. And Sam tells Dina that she's really worried about them and not being able to bring her back to life. But Dina says that when Sam left, she had this whole like vision of her future in, Sa- in Shadyside, um, being just like her dad, first shift, second shift, mm-hmm. just a lot of like alcohol and basically nothing good. But now Dina has another chance with Sam and she's not going to lose her again because they are the way out. And Dina says, um, when this is over, they're going to have an awesome date. They're going to eat cheeseburgers and listen to the pixies and make out and have the best night of their lives. But right now, I know it's actually like really sweet. Yeah. But right now she has to die and she will bring her back to life. So Sam takes her first handful of pills and they kiss. One thing I got to wonder. What? So the, this this handful of pills that she's taking is like insane. It's an insane amount of it's pills. It's so many pills. It's so many pills. You're in a grocery store. You can't get this chick a bottle of water. She is dry swallowing 20 pills at once. <laughs> You can't get her some ginger ale. Nothing? Yeah. Like, she she would probably choke on the pills before she would die from an overdose. Yeah, that's true. They should it's have tried so to many. choke her. Maybe they were trying to choke her. Backup plan. Yeah. Plan B. Yeah. So, this is where the ball really starts rolling. <laughs> um, shit really hits the fan here. So Certainly. You know, the, the kids are kind of walking around the, the grocery store, Simon is in the stock room. Josh is, you know, checking the exit and Kate is shopping. She has a little uh she has a little, little basket. basket. She's picking some things up. She's getting a little bit of a uh, nail polish remover, some aerosol spray. Mm-hmm. And Sam on the other hand is high as a fucking kite 
and having to swallow more and more pills. She ends up like throwing up at one point because uh, she is having an overdose. That's when she sees that Skull Mask is right behind Dina and is about to stab them. Mm-hmm. But Kate swoops in at the last minute because she has that handy dandy aerosol spray can and a lighter and flames the fuck out of Skull Mask so they can all run away. So since Sam is like throwing up the pills and her death is not happening quick enough, like the killers are here, they need to find another option to kill her. And that's when Dina spots the lobster tank at the end of the aisle and they go right to it. So at this point, Kate is trying to hide from Skull Mask, but he ends up seeing her and grabbing her hair, just trying to kill her. They struggle for a while. Meanwhile, Dina is by the lobster tank, dunks Sam's head into this tank to try to drown her. Meanwhile, in the stock room, Ruby Lane appears behind Simon, but he manages to actually stab her first before she can get to him. And he runs out of there. Then Axeman, or Night, Night, Nightwing, yeah. Camp Nightwing Killer, yeah. Camp Nightwing Killer comes for Josh. Meanwhile, Dina is still holding this girl's <laughs> head underwater. Apparently, Sam has uh, the lungs of a sea turtle. Like, I don't even know, homie. She has the lungs of Michael Phelps. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So Skull Mask does end up stabbing Kate. Kate manages to get away, but in the end, he pins her. Oof. He pins her to the bread slicer. And her skull just goes right through that bread slicer. Oh, my goodness. God, I can't – I really can't imagine a worse way to go because you're still alive for, like, those first moments. Yeah. When your head is being chopped up. Chopped up. Oh. Oh, yeah. It's it's pretty gnarly. And it's also insane when it's somebody that you know. (laughs) Agreed. Meanwhile, Simon – you know, he's running for his life as is Josh and they see Fighting for my fucking life out here. Yeah. And they see their friend Kate, who's been I guess I I guess decapitated. I don't really know how to Bredified. pronounce it. Yeah. She's been fucked the fuck up. And as they're looking over our sweet Simon, he does get his brain hacked in half mm-hmm. by the Nightwing killer. So we lost another one. And Yet another really unfortunate way to go. Although at least I feel like this one is a little bit quicker. Yeah. So it's probably more more immediate death. But Dina is still trying to drown Sam. She is what? still alive. And that's when Sam gets more and more visions of Seraphir just kind of like going over and over in her head before she finally mm-hmm. dies right as all of them are about to be killed by the remaining killers. Yeah. When Sam dies, the killers disappear. Mm-hmm. They're gone. All of them. So they pull Sam out of the tank, and Dina has Josh run to go and get the EpiPens. So he grabs all of them. He drops a couple when he's picking them up, runs over. They just start stabbing her in the chest with all these EpiPens. When I was watching this film, it's like her lungs are filled with water. Get the water out of her lungs. Like, Yeah, you got to <laughs> start with CPR for sure. Think about it. Um, And it – it it, do, it doesn't work, obviously. Like, mm-hmm. it's not doing anything. So, luckily, Dina does start doing CPR. And thankfully, 
Sam does start coughing up water. She pukes. She sits up. She's alive. A lot of puke in this movie. A lot of puke in this movie. More than I remember. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Dina just holds her and she's like, it's okay. I got you. I got you. It's like it's over. So the next stop after this insane experience is back at the precinct. Uh, Sheriff Good interviews Dina, Sam, and Josh about what happened. And they've all coordinated their stories very, very well together. Dina's like, oh, well, we were picking up Sam's prescription and the lights went out. We couldn't see anything. We just ducked behind the counter. And when it was over, that's when we saw what happened. And they all have these like cuts and stuff. And Sheriff Good is like, you know, what's that from? Like what happened there? And they all have the same excuse. I fell on some glass. Mm -hmm. At this point, Sheriff Good is talking directly to Dina and he calls Kate and Simon junkies and thinks that they're the ones to blame for everything. And unless she can give him any more information or tell him something differently, that's the story that they're going to play. Um, Dina is over Sheriff Good. She has this quote, another shady side tragedy, an underprivileged overachiever with bright prospects, a guy who's been supporting his family since he was 15, both succumbing to the quick cash of drugs, fits the narrative right, nice and neat. Then Good apologizes for not listening to her before, and Dina says there's nothing else to say. She doesn't want her friends going down for this, but they're dead. That's got to be so hard because, like, for the rest of your life, people are always going to view these people who are your best friends as these just, like – Degenerates. and Like, murderers yeah. who sold drugs and, like – I, yeah, I can't imagine how, how difficult it would be to see, like, these people that you loved and cared about reduced to that. When we were watching this, Phil was bringing up some good points about how, like, she basically sold out her best friends of, like, years and years to, like, save the girl that she um, fell in love with pretty recently. It's true. Yep. She said, hose over bros. Day, yeah. So back in, like, the, the main office area of the police station – Martin, the janitor, is sitting out there for some reason. I don't really know why. He's not, like, in his cell, but he's out there in handcuffs. And he asks Josh if he'll, like, help him out of the handcuffs. And Josh kind of avoids eye contact at first, but eventually he tosses him a paperclip so he can, like, pick the lock. He does, like, a fake cough and has, like, the paperclip yeah. fall out of his hand. It's yeah. so silly. Yeah. So as they're leaving, um, Martin actually gives Josh his card and is like, I owe you. Meanwhile, outside the precinct, Sam's mom is waiting there to pick her up and just like immediately – Looking angry as hell. Yeah, immediately pulls her away from Dina. And Dina's like, I'll see you tomorrow. And Sam hesitates and then says, no, I'll see you tonight. And then Ooh. boldly goes up and kisses her. Wow. It's like, oh my god, mom is – absolutely livid mom um, is like <laughs> dripping in homophobia what is, what are you gonna do that night on the news we hear um, them talk about kate and simon and the drug field night of violence so they're already getting this horrible rap it's already out there in the pro in the public <laughs> meanwhile dina and sam are just hanging out in her room having a good time yeah and dina gives her a mixtape with a note, 
I'll always love you, which is the same note from the beginning of the movie where she kept crossing out what she was going to say to her. Then they play the pixies and lay in bed together when the doorbell rings. And Dina calls for Josh, but it turns out he already got the door and he ordered them pizza for dinner. So we can kind of see the progression of Josh's character becoming like more responsible. Yeah, just kind of like growing into a more adult person. Yeah, it it is nice to see that like, oh yeah, he's starting to, you know, put in effort with the family. But I'm like, the bar yeah. could not be lower. Could All not. he did was order pizza and answer the doorbell. And Dina's like, oh my gosh. And Dina's like, I am raising this child on my alone. Own. Mm-hmm. I'm essentially a single mother at the age of 17. At that moment, phone rings and Dina answers it silence she speaks a couple more times and then finally we are told it is c berman on the other line mm-hmm. she's like you're still alive pretty intense pretty crazy yeah she's like yeah we're still alive we handled it and she asks if they touched the bones um and saw her face She's like, it's not over. It's never going to be over. You can't stop her. She makes the rules. Dina asks who she is, and she tells her she is the witch. And C. Berman says that they're not safe. The witch will always find a way and come for you. Then oh my gosh. <laughs> Sam comes over to Dina in the kitchen and stabs her. Yeah. It's pretty insane how it happens because Dean just turns around and is like, oh, there you are. And then looks down to see Sam pulling the knife out of her. Yeah. I remember when I watched it for the first time, I was like, oh, my God. It's intense. That is haunting. Meanwhile, Josh in the basement is in his own little world listening to his fantasy land. Prague rock and uh, on AOL. <laughs> He's talking to his friend about you know, what happened and his friend says that Kate and Simon were druggies that killed everybody. But Josh says that's not true. Simon was funny and brave. Kate was smart and kind and fearless. Mm-hmm. And he misses them both. Yeah. Meanwhile, up in the kitchen, Sam is fully attacking Dina. Like insane. She's about to stab her. Yeah. What? It's crazy. Meanwhile, in the basement, we see in the reflection of Josh's monitor, a hand on his shoulder, which also is like a very creepy image. I would be super freaked out. He turns around and it's Dina. She's bleeding. So they go upstairs where we see that Dina has tied Sam up with like the phone cord and she's just like writhing around and screaming. And Dina's like, we're going to get her back. Sam, I'm going to get you back. To be continued. Sam is like feral out there. Absolutely. It's it's pretty insane. But yeah, that's uh that's Fear Street 1994, part one. Okay. So what'd you think? Well, the first time I watched it, I really didn't know what to expect. Um mm-hmm. because I knew it was like a trilogy and they went in it was um they all take place during different time periods. And I'd seen a lot of goosebumps. So I had assumed it would be similar to those, even though it was like for an older audience. Mm -hmm. I did not expect this. There were a lot of things I was surprised about. I was surprised that Dina and Sam were girlfriends. 
I thought the characters were surprisingly like relevant, mm-hmm. even though it took place in like 94 in the movie. Um, it felt like the characters were just really like way better formed than any teen movie I'd seen yeah. in a while. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, um, I think that's a really big benefit of setting something in the nineties pre social media, because I feel like I don't know what it is, if it's just, like, writers who are a little bit older are not super, like, connected to how young people are anymore, but I feel like the whole social media way of talking has really poisoned a lot of teen media where it doesn't sound like real people. I think you're right. And it feels very false. And one great thing about this movie is because there is no social media at all, so these people are just talking to each other like normal and we don't have any weird buzzwords or weird lingo that just is not how people talk. It feels very grounded mm-hmm. and real. And also the characters themselves, yeah, they're like very full formed and genuine and you get a good sense of who everyone is. And I think that's also just a testament to how talented this cast is. Yeah. But yeah, I, I also went in knowing like pretty much nothing about it. I've never read any of the Fear Street books. I really am like very new to this world. I'm also very new to the world of like scarier movies. So I was very like pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed it. I'd be really curious to read the actual book Mm -hmm. because I'm sure that they revamped it in a lot of ways, but I wonder what like the characters in that book were like. It's it's my understanding that it's kind of like the, the Fear Street books are sort of episodic. I don't know if they if they follow like a same set of characters or it's just like various, like this is more of an isolated scary story, but I also could be talking out of my ass right now. So if anyone's read the fear street books, like let us know what you think of the books and also of these movies. But you know, it's, it's a little bit difficult to evaluate this movie just in isolation because it is so much part of a trilogy. Yeah, for sure. And there's a, there's a lot of stuff that watching it now that I've seen the whole trilogy Mm -hmm. that I was able to pick up on in this first movie. Like little clues. Yeah. That like details that I never like completely went over my head. So Mm -hmm. I think it's really, uh, it's really well designed and mapped out throughout the whole trilogy. Yeah. And I think that, um, oh, when I first saw the movie, I got, I kind of got confused about the myth of Sarah Fear. Cause I was like, mm-hmm. like, what does she have to do with the grave and like the hold on the town? Like it, it really got yeah. like a little hazy for me. But watching it this time obviously made a lot more sense because I've seen the trilogy. Mm-hmm. But also, I just think the story is really interesting. And, the difference between like Sunnyvale and Shady Side, that whole dichotomy, and then seeing the cast of characters and how they like evolve, even in this one movie, is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, getting to see like Simon, who is this great friend, but he's also like like employee of the month every month, and he's also like the guy yeah. who like will masturbate alone in the bathroom. Like it's just like really interesting characters. So it was like it's fun to watch the movie and kind of be on like this weird journey with the characters. Even if you don't like horror that much, I think there's like enough other things going on. There's more substance than just like it being Mm -hmm. a slasher film that you can enjoy it as well. Yeah. I'm really interested to see what, what, um, 
kind of where this film lands in the zeitgeist in like 10 years. Yeah. I'm so curious. Like I'm excited to see the popularity of this movie Mm -hmm. around Halloween time. I'm curious if we're going to see any um, Fear Street costumes. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm really curious what it'll be like even next Halloween because then we'll have had more time to like view it and see how it lands. Like, are people still going to be talking about it as like a Halloween movie? Like mm-hmm. kind of see where it goes. Right. Yeah. And also like there's so many fresh faces. So I'm like, are we going to see more stuff mm-hmm. on Netflix with these people? I already saw um, the actor who plays Simon, his name is Fred, in White Lotus. I'm like, yeah, whoa, like go off King. So yeah, really excited to see um how that goes for these actors. Yeah, for sure. It yeah, is is really, really cool, especially with us being actors as well, because it's so rare that you get to see a, a movie that is like mostly younger, more so unknown, mm. like fewer credit actors. I feel like it's very hard to break in. So I think it's a great vehicle for a lot of these young actors. And I, I really hope that a lot of them get a ton of work moving forward because it's a very talented cast. Definitely agree. With that being said, should we rate it? Yeah, let's do it. Um, oh man, how do I want to rate this movie? Mm, I think I want to give it like like an 8.75. Okay. Can you elaborate? It's not it's not like quite a 9 because 9 is, you know, reserved for like mm-hmm. faves and up. But I do think it's really good and very enjoyable and I really really liked getting to re-watch it and seeing a lot of the details in it. And I think it's really well crafted and balanced. And yeah, so for that reason, it's like above an eight for mm-hmm. me. I was actually going to give it an eight. Mm-hmm. Like you said, nines and tens are really like movies that we love like to death. So mm-hmm. yeah, I decided to go with an eight because I really like the movie. There are some hokier parts to it Mm -hmm. i think the writing is good but it could be like better and i also know that like the style of a movie that i really love is either like fully fully like you know we're just gonna be hokey like lizzie mcguire movie like camp yeah Yeah. like total camp or more indie like Mm -hmm. super realistic and yeah more dry i guess so for me, it was an eight, but I'm definitely going to like put this in my Halloween rotation. Mm-hmm. I think we'll probably watch it when you're here visiting me. Oh, yeah. You're coming just to visit me. Yes. That's the only reason. <laughs> no other friends um, or anyone here. <laughs> no. But um, yeah, I, I really recommend if you have not seen Fear Street yet or if you only watched it that one time when it came out, I would say definitely give it another watch because oh, yeah, you gotta for Halloween. It was very enjoyable. Yes. Yeah. Watch the whole trilogy while you're at it. Make a night of it. Exactly. Well, we hope that you enjoyed this episode. It was so much fun to record and so lovely to chat with Julia. Yes. It's such a pleasure. So we hope you liked it and be on the look for all of our Spooktober favorites. I'm sure we'll be posting a lot of content when Christina is in New York. Yes. Just little lives and stories and stuff like that. So you won't want to miss that either. Absolutely. And oh my God, where can you find that? On our Instagram. Uh, it's Movies That Raised Us. You can also follow us on Twitter at MTRU underscore pod. You can follow us on TikTok at Movies That Raised Us pod. And if you have some more stuff to say, you want a little bit of a longer forum, 
then you can email us at movies that raised us at gmail.com. Yes. And we'll see you next week for our third Spooktober movie of the month. Yes. I'm Mo. And I'm Christina. And our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.